0: Well, uh, welcome everybody to Blackhawk Church. Welcome to everybody live who is in the room right now. Hey, and would you join me for just a minute in welcoming everybody who is watching (laughs) us on a screen right now. Welcome to all of our other sites, Gospel Fusion, Traditions. BCM, welcome to Blackhawk Downtown. Welcome to Fitchburg. Welcome to all of you online or those of you joining our podcast. It's a long list, isn't it, of all the people we need to welcome? Uh, but it's great to have a chance to be able to uh, to be together, one church in a lot of different locations. And uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm a part of the teaching team. And uh, man, it's great to have a chance to be able to be together. So we, um, we made it through our little snow and ice fun of this past week. And uh, I feel like every, and we're almost done with February, which can I get an amen from anyone in the room right now? Oh, I'm getting some applause too. Yeah, that's, that's real. Um, it always feels so good to get done with February and into March because I feel like summer is coming. There's, we can't forget spring. Some of you are like spring. Don't, give up on spring. Spring's amazing. But uh, but warmer days are in our future, and we start to think about vacations and different things like that. So, so I have a question. How many of you, when it comes to like vacations, or maybe even like during the winter to get through winter, like every once in a while, you like being able to um, read like a good mystery novel? Maybe it's like your beach read for a particular season. Anyone in the room, like you're kind of a mystery. Anyone online, you can like Join us as well, sites and venues. Yeah, I, I enjoy a good mystery every once in a while. I've been a John Grisham fan for a long time and Stephen King and different people like that. So, so actually there is a, a woman uh, back from the 1920s and 30s who was a particular author. Her name was Dorothy Sayers. Now, Dorothy Sayers, yeah, there are people in the room, if you're watching online, people in the room who are like quietly golf clapping for Dorothy Sayers right now, because Dorothy Sayers actually is known in the Christian world fairly well for some of her Christian theological writing that she did. She's a Christian writer from England, um, is kind of sometimes put into the same, she's put into the same category of C.S. Lewis, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, C.K. Chesterton, different people like that. And Sayers, man, just an amazing woman. She, uh, she was one of the first women actually to graduate from Oxford University. And from there went on to have an incredible writing career. She, um, she was a playwright and wrote some different plays. She also wrote different books on, on poetry, different theological writing she did. But the thing that she's probably more known for than anything else is her mystery Novels that she wrote. Um, mystery novels, um, in particular about a, a character who she created, Lord Peter Whimsy. And Lord Peter Whimsy was this, um, this, this dashing, debonair, suave chap. Um, if you speak British, uh, and um, just this 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 character, kind of a Sherlock Holmes detective with a sense of humor, and, and her books really took off, and not just through the 1920s and 30s, but I mean, but ongoing. In fact, um, in the 1980s, I think it was 1987, the BBC actually created um, a TV series called um, A Dorothy L. Sayers Mystery uh, th- that came out that actually depicted three of her different books together. And, and, and so she's been well known for a long time. Now, if, if you ever get into the um, Sayers' novels, to, into her mystery stories, one of the things that people tell you they notice is that at the beginning, you find out as you get to know the character, Lord Peter Whimsey, he's actually rather, just due to the lifestyle that he lives, he's actually rather lonely. And, um, and so uh, Dorothy Sayers does something interesting as she is writing these particular, these particular novels. She actually... Um, creates a character named Harriet Vane. And Harriet Vane is this young woman who enters the storyline. And this is interesting. She, um, she is um, a recent graduate of Oxford University and she is a mystery novel writer. Coincidence? I think not. So, and, and as she works this, you know, this deal, the interesting thing, she and Whimsy, they develop a relationship. They fall in love. Eventually they get married. And she becomes a part of all of the storylines uh, of, of Sayers' mystery novels. Now, now many people who are, who are big Dorothy Sayers fans, they actually would tell you that what Dorothy Sayers did was she wrote herself, as the author, wrote herself in to the story in order to rescue the main character. Isn't that interesting? So now hang on to that for just a minute, because um, let me give you a little bit of an idea. For those of you who haven't been around here, we have been in a particular series that we've been doing here at Black Hawk called Live This Book, where we have been taking a look at the storyline of the Bible since September, and we're going to do that all the way to the beginning of June. And a looking at the story of the Bible start to finish, Genesis to Revelation, and taking a look at these common threads that we see play out, because we believe the Bible is one large story of God's movement towards us. And uh, and so that's what we've been doing. And so far, we have been in the Old Testament But now this week, Pastor Charles last week uh, told us that we were jumping from the Old Testament this week into the New Testament. And if you were here last week, you remember that Charles kind of made us all groan at the end of that. Yeah, he's he's an Old Testament theologian. Come on, you have to expect it from the guy. But I'm kind of excited about this week because this week we finally get to the story of Jesus, which I... I don't know about you. I get kind of excited about Jesus. And, uh, and the thing about Jesus, this is the thing that we see. It's as if God, as the author of the story that we have been reading, writes himself in to the novel in order to rescue the characters who he has created. And that's really where we're moving this week more than anything else. We're moving into this story of what it is that 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 God has done writing himself into the story. And we actually see this all the way like we celebrated this back at Christmas just a couple of months ago. Like if you go in your bibles to to Matthew chapter 1, I think this is kind of interesting. In Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1 it says this when we look at this. It says um so, so Mary and Joseph, we know about Mary, the mother of Jesus and Joseph, her husband. And Joseph was having struggles with, with buying into the idea of what was going to happen with this one who was to come. And so an angel appears to him. And, uh, and the angel says these words, she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, God God writes himself into the story as God because he wanted to be with us. And so that's what takes place in this jump that, takes, that happens this week as we go here in the story. We have taken this series we've been doing, Living, Live This Book, and we've broken it up into, into different categories. And so we started with God's plan for humanity. God had a plan for creating his people, but then the humans that he created rebelled. So then God chose a people, the people of Israel, who were going to be his people and help the world see who he is. But then <laughs> Israel rebels. And that's as far as we've gone. That's basically the story of the Old Testament. This week, God writes himself into the story in the person of Jesus, Jesus, the King. And that's where we start this week. So for the next handful of weeks, really seven weeks, all the way through Easter, we are going to be taking a look at the storyline of Jesus, the life of Jesus. And, uh, and we're going to start these very first two weeks um, with, with some big picture ideas of Jesus. Today, we are talking about Jesus being fully God. And next week, we are going to, Pastor Chris is gonna come and talk about Jesus being fully human. Now, these two areas are important. With each other. Um, if you were to get into um, deep theological conversation on this, if you were to talk about it like in a seminary class or something about this, the idea of Jesus being fully God and being fully human is something called the hypostatic union. Go look that up later if you want to look at something really fun. Hypostatic union. And, and in the hypostatic union, this idea, of Jesus fully God, fully man. I mean, think about this. Jesus had um, a divine father and a, and a human mother. And and, and so sometimes people would look at that and they would go, well, maybe that means that Jesus is some form of hybrid where he's like half God and half human. So when we look at the stories of Jesus, sometimes he's working out of his humanity and sometimes he's working out of his divinity. See scripture, no, 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 it gives us a different idea. He was fully God and fully human. Today we're taking a look at the idea of Jesus being fully God. And I want us to understand kind of the concept of why we believe he was fully God. and, And then also, why does that even matter? And for some of you, like listening, maybe you're watching online right now, maybe you're here in the room on one of our sites and you're going, okay, that sounds like kind of a snoozer because I already believe that Jesus is fully God. But, But here's the thing, this is the thing I find. Sometimes for those of us who have been around the Christian world for a long time, we believe certain things and yet we're not exactly sure why we do. Like we believe things about God, but we're like, I don't know, that's just always what I've been taught. So that's what I believe. Well, I wanna take it to a deeper place today to help us understand why. And, and And then there are other people who are in the room. There are those of you who have all kinds of opinions about Jesus. Maybe you're not a believer and you're coming because you have questions about that or somebody invited you, we're so glad you're here. And you might have different ideas of what you think about Jesus. You, I, I have conversations with people who look at Jesus and they go, well, I think of him as a really good man. I mean, he was a prophet, he lived, he was a good guy. He had great, incredible teachings. You know, I mean, he was the golden rule guy, do to others what you would want people to do to you. That's a good thing. And we need to live by those ideas. And he li- died a tragic death, but I'm not sure if it goes any farther Beyond that, we all have these ideas, but for many of us as Christ followers, you see, we believe that Jesus was actually completely, fully, 100% God. And I kind of wanna do a little bit of a dive, like almost into like apologetics, defenses of our faith, to help us understand why we actually believe that. And in order to do that, We need to go to a book in the New Testament right now. Remember, we said we were going into the New Testament this week and we're going to go there into the gospel. So if you have your Bibles with you or however it is that you look at Bibles, go with me to John chapter one right now, John one. And we're gonna start with verse one. This letter written by the disciple John, one of the followers of of Jesus. And he was writing this letter from a particular lens. Any of the letters that we look at that any of these people wrote, they, they wrote with a purpose and, and we're going to see what it is that John's purpose was as he wrote this. It says this in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made and without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. If you scroll down then to verse 14, it says this, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Okay. Now it's interesting to realize what John is doing in this particular passage of scripture. What he's trying to do is to the reader, he's trying to give the reader a a lens, a framework to be able to see who who Jesus is. And his overall desire was that people would understand Jesus is the son of God and, and fully God. Notice some of the wording that he uses right at the beginning that aligns us with things that took place in the Old Testament. Remember, we're looking at the threads of everything that took place. If we go back to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter one, verse one starts this way. In the beginning, God. I mean, it's interesting. That's exactly what, man, the writer of Genesis wanted us to understand from the beginning. John is playing off of that by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You know, something else to understand. One of the things that Jesus was called at different times was was the word. Anytime that you see that here in John's writing, he's referring to Jesus. And that might seem kind of strange, but think about it we 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 use words all the time to express our thoughts and ideas i've i put together thoughts and ideas for a sermon today and i'm expressing that to you through words. When Rachel talks to me about ideas that she has of things that, you know, she'd like us to do, she expresses that through words. Some of you have kids this week that were like getting at each other because of the amount of snow days and rain days. And one of the things I'm guessing some parents might've said is, no, don't punch each other. Use your words. <laughs> Anyone? Use your words. You see, because words are the things that we use to express our thoughts and ideas. What what John was saying here was that that Jesus was like, the personification of God himself. God was expressing his thoughts and his ideas through his son that he sent into this world. And John was saying from the very beginning, in beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was involved in all of creation that took place. He had no beginning. He was fully God and he came to this world, put on flesh and lived the life that he did. That's what John believed. And there are all kinds of talk like this all throughout scripture. Another person who, I mean, we lean into a lot when it comes to deep theological writing is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a person who, um, man, he had an incredible encounter with Jesus. He had been one who was a persecutor of the church. If you don't know the story of Paul, And then he has this encounter with Jesus after Jesus is risen from the grave and ascended back to heaven that transformed his life from being a persecutor of the church to actually being a promoter and a defender of Jesus being the son of God and fully God. And in the letter that he wrote to the Colossian church, chapter one, if you wanna go there to Colossians one, starting with verse 15, he says these words that just have such theological depth. He says, the son, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him, get this, in Jesus, all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him, all things hold together. He is taking the person of Jesus and helping the readers to understand the idea that Jesus was not just a great man, but he was fully God. That's what the followers of Jesus believed. You see, and if you're a person here who you're going, Matt, okay, I hear all that. But I still, I'm, I, I'm in a place where I just believe that Jesus was a good man. Because really, if you look at scripture, Jesus never came straight forward and said, hey, everyone, I'm God. And he just was never that clear. And, and the answer to that is, yep, you're right. Jesus never in the New Testament is ever quoted saying, hi, my name is Jesus and I'm God. He didn't come out that clearly and say it. But the thing is, is when we understand the ways that Jesus said things, he actually many times over gave us the picture that he was God. And the reason why we know that is because of the way that those who didn't believe that he was God reacted to what he said. It, go back to the book of John with me for a minute, to John chapter five. John chapter five, Jesus was one who, in all kinds of different situations, he, he got into all kinds of arguments with the religious leaders of the day. He and the religious leaders, they just knew how to butt heads at different times. And Jesus was one who would kind of push the envelope, um, helping the religious leaders to understand who he was by doing things that they thought was outside of the bounds, like, like, like healing on the Sabbath. And this is one of those particular places where Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. In verse 16 of chapter 5, this is what we read from John. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, "'My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working.'" For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was calling God, his own father, making himself equal with God. You see, you see we, we, read, we read words like this. You know, my father is always working to this very day and I too am working. We're like, what's the big deal? No, no, no. To the crowd back then, that was offensive. The people back then, they understood what Jesus was saying was he was making himself equal with God to the point where they they wanted to kill him. This happened again if you go forward to John chapter 8 another time where Jesus is ruffling the feathers of the religious leaders. Jesus says says this to them. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself slipping away from the crowds. Now again, we <laughs> like we might look at those words and go, what's the big deal? You know, before Abraham was, I am. Like, what's the big deal? See, Jesus in that moment, what he is doing is he is actually using the personal name of God himself, the name that God in the Old Testament gave, gave Moses. When Moses asked him who he should say that this God is, he said, tell him that it's the word that we get Yahweh from. I am who I am. Jesus was using that word. Notice he, he doesn't say in the passage, before Abraham was born, I was he says, I am. And the leaders of that time knew exactly what he was saying to the point where they wanted to pick up stones and kill him on the spot. I mean, it's these type of claims that were the things that ultimately got Jesus crucified and killed. You see, like we, when we look at this, we, we realize the followers of Jesus believed he was God, the, the, the naysayers of Jesus knew the claims that Jesus was making and Jesus was saying these things because he understood that he was fully God. You see, it, it, it pushes us to a particular place. It pushes us to the place of realizing that if like there is no middle ground for us to land on when it comes to who we say Jesus is. Like what I mean by that is there's, there's not an open window for us to be able to come to the place of saying, I just believe that Jesus was a good man. Like we, we can't just come to the place of saying he was a prophet and he taught some good things. He was a good man, but I, I don't believe that, that. That's just as far as I take it. We, we, we are pushed to the place because Jesus believed that he was God. He promoted the idea that he was God where we have to come to the place of saying, okay, I buy that or I don't. By that. The people back then, you saw people in Jesus' time. They either came and they bowed before him as the creator of the universe, the God of all gods, or they ran from him or wanted to kill him. You see, there's not this middle ground to be able to land on. And, and you could be a person right now who hears that and you're like, Matt, okay, I see that, but why does it really matter? Like, what's the big deal? Why does it matter that I need to land on the place of believing that Jesus is God? And I would tell you that's a great question. So in order to get there, again, we have to jump back into the Old Testament. I know that we heard we're starting in the New Testament, and I keep jumping back to the Old Testament. I'm sorry about that, but it's it's the thread that we see. And in order to do that, we have to go back to Genesis chapter 15. Now, if you want to go there for a minute, Genesis chapter 15, I actually gave a sermon on this idea back on November 13th. So if you've never heard that message on November 13th, you can go back and you can look that one up. But some of you might remember this, where we talked about, this is an interaction that God is having with Abraham. And uh, God has told Abraham, Abraham, you are going to be the father of a great nation. You are going to have more people in this nation than there are stars in the sky. And, uh, and on top of that, I'm going to give you incredible land. And, and Abraham is struggling with believing this. And so God makes a covenant with Abraham. And You might remember this. He tells Abraham to go and get a heifer and a ram and a goat and a pigeon and a dove. And then he takes those animals and he, he kills them and cuts them in half and creates a walkway between them where they were on either side. Do you remember the story? And, and what happens in this moment, what, what God is doing is he's creating with Abraham an ancient blood ritual the people back then used to have with one another when they were going to make a covenant with one another, make promises to each other. And what they would do is they would create this walkway between these animals and the two people who were going to make these promises would walk between those pieces, making these promises to one another. It was basically a way of saying, if I don't hold up to my end of the covenant, may what happened to these animals happen to me. May my body be broken and my blood be shed. That's what he was doing. But the interesting thing that happens here in Genesis 15, God causes Abraham to fall asleep. And so at the time where the covenant is made, God is the only one who walks through the pieces. Basically making this covenant with Abraham, but where he is the only one who will take the hit. He is the only one who will pay the penalty if both sides of the covenant are not lived through. You see, God was basically saying, he knew that Abraham wasn't gonna be able to hold up to his end of the covenant. Abraham, like all of us, was a sinful person living in a fractured and broken world. And he knew like all of us, he had fallen into sin. He wasn't gonna be able to hold up his end. And so God was saying, regardless of what happens with you, Abraham, I am going to hold to my end of the bargain. And even if you don't, may my body be broken and my blood be shed. Do you see the picture So now fast forward to Jesus coming onto the scene. Why did he have to be God? Because he was the only one who could fulfill that side of the covenant. You see, when it came to the sin in our lives due to the fractured life that we live and the fractured world that we are in and the brokenness that we deal with, he, God was the only one who could pay the penalty. It's the reason why he was the only one in the Old Testament to walk through those pieces. And so Jesus, when he came to this world, he came with that perspective that he was going to give his life where his body would be broken and his blood would be shed to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be in right relationship with God. The apostle Paul does an amazing job of painting this picture for us in a letter that he wrote to the people of Rome in Romans chapter five. Paul says this, He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace, which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I love this picture that Paul is painting where we have gained access We have gained access to God by what Jesus has done. It's not by my life. It's not by my abilities. It has everything to do with Jesus being God. That now, because of what he did for us, shedding his blood on the cross, his body broken, blood shed, now I can be in right relationship with God when I have placed my faith in him. I'm given all access. Let me ask you, have you ever had a chance to be at any type of event where you were given like an all access pass? Anyone ever experienced that? Man, there is something really cool about it so so back um, uh, I'm going to do a little Blackhawk history here back. I, I think I think it was 2011. Um, we started our first official off-site venue our. Downtown venue, Blackhawk Downtown. Blackhawk Downtown, you should be clapping and whooping it up right now because I'm talking all about you. And back at that time, I had the chance to kind of start that whole deal. I know you all are meeting at Upper House in this beautiful space right now that is incredible. We have this partnership with the Upper House team. We love Upper House and everything it is that they are doing, but that's not actually where we started. For some of you who don't know the story, Back at that time, we were looking for a venue and we couldn't find anything. And so the thing that we landed on was a bar and a nightclub in the downtown area of Madison called the Majestic Theater. Now, if you're new to the Madison area and want to know anything about the Majestic Theater, just go hop on State Street, head towards the Capitol. When you get to the Capitol, cut straight through the Capitol and keep going on the other side. And on the other side, you'll be on King Street. That's also known as like the first settlement district. Of, of, of Madison. It was where Madison was like originally being built. And down there, there is this old vaudeville theater, you know, built in the early 1900s that now is a bar and a nightclub and a premier music venue in the Madison area. And so they would have shows all kinds of different times during the week. And then Sunday morning at dark 30, we would roll in with our truck and set up everything for church. And every day that we came in there every morning, like you walk in and the floors are sticky and it smells, it smells kind of like stale beer with just a faint hint of weed in the air. And that was, that was church. And that's where we did everything for the first five years of downtown and uh, it was amazing. And, and, and they had, um, there were two owners of the Majestic Theater, two guys that for those five years, man, became great friends of mine, Matt Girding and Scott Leslie. These guys were fantastic. They're still friends of mine to this day. That's a picture I posted on my social media on Instagram a while back. But, um, and one of my favorite things that would happen is they would invite me to come to shows at particular times to come and like shadow them. I loved it. And so I would show up at the majestic and I would be with them. And man, as long as I was with them, they were my all access pass. Like I could go anywhere. If they were going, I was going. Offices in the back, backstage, green rooms, you know, tour buses behind the bar, wherever it was they were going, I could go. And there would be these big security dudes, you know, guys in like shirts that said security across them. And I would be walking along and they would see, you know, the owner and let them go by. They would go to me and they would stop me. And then the owner, Matter Scott, they would tap him on the shoulder and go, No, it's okay. Come on, he's with me right now. And I could just slide right through. Thank you very much, Mr. Security Guard. You know? And I just, as I'm walking around this place, I just felt like a rock star. You know, I mean, it's the closest, at least I'll ever be. But but me getting to where I was had nothing to do with who I was, had nothing to do with my abilities, had everything to do with who I was connected to at that moment. You see, that's what. That's what Paul is trying to give us a picture of when it comes to these verses in Romans. So can we go back? Can we put up that slide of Romans chapter five one more time? So we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access and all access pass into a right relationship with God. Because of what I've done, nope. Because of my abilities? Nope. Because of my lifestyle? Nope. So, how do we get there? Well, it's by placing my faith in Jesus as God, the one who had the ability to pay the penalty for all of my sins, the one who, when he went to the cross, because he was God, his body broken and his blood shed to pay the penalty for all of our sins, past, present, and future so that for any of us who place our faith in him, we can be given grace. Grace is a gift that we are given that we do not deserve. And so we step into that grace through faith and are given an all access pass to God because of what Jesus did. It's not by my abilities, it's by my connectivity to the one who paid the penalty because he was God. Maybe for some of you, that's the first time you've heard that. But maybe for many of you, you might be going, okay, Matt, I've heard that before. What's the bit like, yeah, I'm not learning anything right now. Well, the reason why I think we need to be reminded of something like that is because sometimes I think that we forget the connectivity that we have. And we easily step back into this place of trying to live a life to get by the security guard rather than realizing I'm I'm connected to the owner. It's like we walk up to a certain door in a situation and there's a security guard standing there with his hand out and his name is guilt or shame or stories from our past or memories from things that we wish we would have never done. And in that moment, it's if that security guard is holding his hand up going, wait, 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 where are you going? Do you realize who you are? Do you realize what you've done? Do you realize the ways that you've blown it? Do you realize the things you've done and you think that you can just go through this door? You think you can waltz through and they see, and then there's the owner on the other side going, no, 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 see, he's with me. So my question to you is, who are you listening to right now? <laughs> are you listening to the security guard who is telling you about all the things and trying to keep you from coming? Or are you listening to the owner who has all control and is going, no, 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 just come with me? You see, we've been given access and it's through freedom. And all of it comes to us by placing our faith in Jesus and him alone for our salvation. And it's offered to us because of the love that he has for us. You know, Dorothy Sayers had a love for Peter Whimsey, her main character. And so she wrote herself into the story to rescue him. Same picture. God, God has a love for that you cannot imagine. And it's because of his love for you that he wrote himself into the story to pay a penalty that you could never pay. And so (laughs) Jesus now, the owner as fully God stands there and goes, no, 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 come with me. Yeah, don't listen to the security guy. Just come with me, come with me. See, when we take those steps, that's faith in Jesus. And so my question to you is, have you ever come to the place of where you've accepted Jesus as your savior? Have you ever come to the place, you could have been coming to church for a long time, or this could be your first week. You ever come to the place of saying, yep, Jesus, okay, I believe that you are God. I believe that you are the savior of the world, the only one who can pay the penalty for my sins. I don't have the ability to walk through the pieces. You do, you did. So I'm placing my faith, not in my abilities, but all on your ability because you're the only one who could do it. I wanna give you the invitation to make that decision today. To make it like, to make the decision to place your faith in Jesus and him alone for your salvation. It's it's week one of talking about Jesus. We're already putting it all out there and we're gonna do that a lot more. But man, there's no greater decision you could make And it's not by some magical words that you say or something like that, but I think that sometimes there's something powerful that just happens in in us being able to say to God what is going on inside of us. And so if you're that person, just in the quietness of your own heart, it's it's just simply saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I, I know that I live in a broken, fractured world. My life is broken and fractured. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this world as God to pay a penalty that I could not pay. Today, I place my faith in you, you alone for my salvation, that I might have a right relationship with God, not by what I do, but by what you did. So I give you my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, there is no... Greater decision that you can make in your life than placing your faith in Jesus, and we as a church, we'd love to help you on that on that journey, and uh, and so we just want to be a part of that with you. We'd love to know. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to help you take the next steps. And so, if you wouldn't mind, um, you can pull out your phone. And uh, I know that can be awkward because you're like, ah, I've been coming for a long time. Nobody knows. I got to pull out my phone right now. It's okay. Trust me. Anyone who sees you with your phone out will be really excited that you made a decision like that. And you can, one, you can use the QR code to be able to go to this page or you can just hold your phone down really low and uh, and go to blackhawk.church slash yes. And there is just simply a few questions there. That, like we'd love for you to answer and uh, some contact information because we'd love to help you take those steps. But even if you didn't, it just simply lets us know that you took that step and uh, we'd love to be a part of that with you. There is no greater decision that you can make. You know, the writer of the book of John thought that too. You know, he gave this lens and framework of everything that he wrote in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. And he gave us that lens for everything he was trying to help us understand. And then at the end of the book of John, it's like he can't hold it in any longer and he just comes straight out and goes, okay, here's the reason why I just wrote everything that I wrote. Verse 31 of John chapter 20 says this, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing You may have life in his name. True life is only found in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus into this world to pay a penalty that we could never pay. Lord Jesus, thank you that your body was broken, your blood was shed like to do what we could never do because you are God. And so we declare this day, you are God, you are savior, you are Lord. We place our lives before you. We ask you to do with them what you will. Thank you so much for giving us all access to the father because of your sacrifice. May we understand that in our lives deeper and deeper that it might transform who we are. We pray these things.